turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The average American has probably three or four Bibles in their home, and they all collect dust. So just exactly what is this book? We'll find out next on this edition of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Sure, we all have at least one or two Bibles in our homes. How often do they get used? And do we really understand what this book is? Today and tomorrow, we'll spend some time looking at Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 39, the powerful, sovereign, gracious Word of God. Join us for a look at His Word and how we live by it and how we can trust Him through it. With today's edition of Abounding Grace, here's Pastor Gary Wagner. This short little story of the tax collector, Levi, leaving all behind and following Jesus, actually begins in a more dramatic way than our English translations would lead us to believe. Because our English translations begin with the words, and after these things he went forth and saw or noticed Levi, a tax collector. And the impression one gets from the word saw is that Jesus simply noticed Levi as he passed by. But that's not what the Greek word for saw means. The Greek word that our English versions translate so casually means to look at attentively, to contemplate, looking at him, enjoying him attentively. So Luke begins the story with the Lord Jesus Christ setting his gaze on Levi, lovingly, attentively, looking right into the center of his being, right into his heart. And because of that penetrating gaze, he knew this man. He saw what was inside this man's heart. And in spite of what he saw, as his piercing gaze penetrated into the deep recesses of his heart, he still loved him, and he called him as one of his disciples. Now, Levi is one of the two or three apostles of Jesus that had two names. They were Levi and Matthew. And Matthew was a tax collector. In fact, when Jesus found him and called him to be his disciple, he was literally sitting at his desk in the revenue office, plundering the citizens in Capernaum. He was a Jewish tax collector in the service of the despised Herod Antipas. Bureaucrats and revenuers like Levi were detested by everyone. And they were considered the vilest and lowest of human beings. Times haven't changed much, have they, beloved? Whenever a Jewish man entered into the tax service of the government, he was regarded as an outcast from society. 
From that point on, he was disqualified to ever be a judge. He was disqualified from ever being a witness in a court proceeding. He was excommunicated from the church, and his entire family was looked upon with disgrace. And I might say the Jewish people knew how to deal with tax collectors. Well, Levi was such an outcast. But the Lord Jesus Christ sets his gaze on him and calls him as one of his disciples, and he literally calls him for two reasons. The first reason is similar to the reason he called all the other various men that comprised the twelve apostles. They were nobodies. Men of very little significance in the world. The men the Lord, the men the Lord called to be his disciples probably weren't the kind of men you and I would choose if we were going to begin a tremendous undertaking or some new enterprise of some sort. We would look for all those things in a man that the world considers important, a good personality, a, a good education, good background. But Jesus chose as his apostles those who were weak, even easy to anger, small intellects, mouthy, and of no political significance. He chose these men as a foundation of the church, we read in Ephesians, so that it would be obvious that whatever was accomplished as the gospel went forward would be seen as from God and not from these apostles. God and His power and grace were to be the focus, not men. But the Lord would use these lowly men to bring down the high and the mighty, as he said to us in 1 Corinthians, these were the low and the base which the world would never see as impressive, if not for the calling of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there was a second and unique reason for Jesus calling Levi to be an apostle. Not only did Jesus call him because he was like the other apostles, an unexpected choice, but because in the choice of Levi, you see as clearly as anywhere else in Scripture the rich grace and abundant goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He called to himself a man who was particularly evil, who did not deserve the goodness of God, as Elder Stanton was talking about earlier, who was an abuser and a thief and a traitor to God's people and to God's church. He, he was a, a pawn of the anti-Christian government of Rome in their persecution of the church. If there was anyone who did not deserve to have their sins forgiven and be made an apostle, it was certainly Levi. The Lord Jesus Christ chose Levi so that we would never forget that our standing in God's kingdom, our acceptance with God, does not depend on anything of any merit within us but purely on the kindness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus chose Levi simply to show his kindness because Levi deserved to perish. And he also chose him that so you and I would never forget that our standing with God is not based on anything of worth within ourselves, but solely on the goodness and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, people have always been enamored with this story of Jesus and Levi. 
People have been impressed with the gravity and yet the urgency of Jesus' call to Levi, follow me. And everyone has been equally impressed with the immediate positive response of Levi to Jesus' call, to leave all and follow him. But in this simple story, you have some of the most profound truths of the gospel to be found anywhere in the pages of Scripture. First of all, you see that the word of the Lord Jesus Christ is a powerful word. Follow me. Was not just some simple phrase. It had power behind it. Because in that one simple phrase, the Lord Jesus Christ was able to move this man to abandon his entire previous life and surrender himself totally to the will and command of the Lord Jesus Christ. This was a man who was established in his vocation. This was not some young man just starting out. He was a man of some success, some wealth. He was a man of prestige among the Romans, certainly not among the Jews. He was a man of power and of influence in Rome. And he was doing what he thought he would be doing for the rest of his life. Now consider yourself. Would it not take a great amount of power to get most of you to leave anything you've been working for hard and building all of your life and throw it all away? Giving yourself to someone else? That someone telling you what to do for the rest of your life? It would take an awful lot of power in my life, beloved. And yet Jesus just spoke briefly to Levi, and Levi left everything to do what Jesus would tell him to do for the rest of his life. The word of the Lord Jesus Christ was so powerful that at that simple call, Levi left all to follow Jesus. Yet, surely there was some explanation Luke probably doesn't tell us the whole story, but Jesus, I'm sure, explained to Levi what follow me meant. But in the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, you see a word of power that caused a man to leave everything he was and surrender his whole life to this one man after one brief conversation. Now, you're probably saying this is one of those extraordinary events in Scripture that we all love to read about, but only happens to really faithful people. I'm here to tell you, beloved, this is nothing extraordinary. This is what happens to everyone who's a true Christian. Have you ever seen someone who's so drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ that he just can't get enough of him? He can't read enough about Him. He can't worship Him enough. He can't sing His praises enough. He can't imitate Him enough. He can't do His bidding enough. Have you ever known anyone like that? He was just so concerned with the Lord Jesus Christ and His service to Him. Most of you have, and you say those are extraordinary people. And and they're the ones that we literally read in, in the biographies. No, beloved, there's nothing extraordinary about these kinds of people. That is what a true Christian is. A Christian is someone who's heard the powerful word of Jesus. And that word has consumed his life. And he cannot get enough of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he cannot serve him enough out of thanksgiving for what he's done for him. 
The word of the Lord Jesus Christ is a powerful word that changes a man's life totally. And he can do it for you, no matter what stage of life you may be in. Maybe you think you're in a rut that will last the rest of your life. You've just given up hope. You've given up any initiative because you feel overwhelmed. You've got so many bills and insurance payments, a home and a car to take care of, pensions to worry about being safe in this economy, concern for your children's future, hassles at work or with relatives. And I tell you, even with all this, the powerful word of the Lord Jesus Christ can enter our lives and give us the fortitude and the wisdom to get on top of all of these things and get the victory over them. Or if need be, that word is powerful enough to transform your life and make you a new person who by God's grace you can overcome all your trials. Not only is God's word powerful, enabling Levi to surrender his life to Jesus, but it's also a sovereign word. He came up to Levi and said, follow me. So let's take a look at Mark chapter 3 and hear this whole story about the calling of all the apostles. Because we can see God sovereignly, clearly, in his calling of the apostles here in Mark 3, 13. And he, Jesus, going up into a mountain and calleth unto him who he would or who he wanted. And they came unto him and he ordained twelve that they should be with him. And the phrase I want you to focus on is the phrase he calleth or summoned unto him whom he wanted. The Lord Jesus Christ that comes into a person's life with such power is a sovereign word. In other words, he does not speak this word, his word, into everyone's heart. Think for a minute. How did these 12 men become apostles? Did 12 men with particularly outgoing personalities come up to Jesus and say, Lord, we've talked among ourselves and we're convinced you need some help, brother. So we're going to be your 12 apostles from here on out. Is that what happened? No. The Bible says, And Jesus summoned whom he wanted, and they came. He chose them to be his apostles, and they came. The word of the Lord Jesus Christ that is able to transform a man's life is a sovereign word. He does not speak that word, beloved, to everyone. Disciples do not become disciples by their own free choice, but by the calling of the Lord Jesus Christ. No one has ever become a disciple of Christ because he just up and had a notion to exercise his so-called free will at some sudden impulse. Everyone becomes a disciple the same way. When the living Christ speaks his powerful word into your life, it transforms you. That is a sovereign word. There were other people in Capernaum that day, beloved, that, that Jesus could have certainly called. 
but it was Levi that Jesus set his gaze upon. It was a sovereign choice of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the word of Christ that we see here, Levi, follow me, and he left all and followed him, is not only a powerful word, but a sovereign word. Now, let's look at the word follow for a minute. This is not the first time in the Bible that the word follow me occurs. In fact, it occurs several times in the Old Testament, and the Greek word is a mouthful, beloved, so I'm not even going to try to attempt to pronounce it. But it is the ordinary word for the intellectual, moral, religious following of someone. If you are going to follow some intellectually, in other words, you believe his way of life, his philosophy of life, and that is the Greek word that's used here. If you're going to follow someone's moral teaching, someone's religious doctrine, that is the common word that's used here. And in the Old Testament, Jehovah's people were commanded not to follow other gods. Don't follow them intellectually. Don't follow them morally or religiously. Instead, you're called to follow only Jehovah. And to follow Jehovah meant to walk in God's revealed ways. Don't live by the religion, the ethics, the philosophy of the pagans around you. Don't follow them, he says. Jehovah said, follow me and live by my standards the way that I have set for you in my word. Now Jesus comes along in the New Testament, and takes the same word that the Old Testament used in reference to Jehovah and calls the Jews, like Levi, to follow him just as one would follow Jehovah himself in the Old Testament. And in following him, to leave all other gods and all other masters and follow him intellectually, religiously, morally, spiritually, and in every other way. Loved, here's another claim of Christ to deity. Here is the Lord Jesus Christ putting himself on par with Jehovah himself. And he says, in effect, just as Jehovah called you to leave all other gods and follow him, so does Jehovah in human flesh call you to leave all other gods and follow me and walk in the way that I command. So the focus of this incident in Luke is not Levi. It is Christ himself who calls Levi to discipleship. Levi hears Christ's call, a call that is not only for his physical ears, but a call for his, the ears of his heart. Then grace draws him into the closest personal relationship that any human being can ever experience with the Lord. And everything about the story depends on Jesus' sovereign word of grace to this unclean man. If Jesus had not spoken to him, he would have remained in his sins and in spiritual death, separated from the love of God throughout all eternity. Everything in salvation depends upon the word of Christ. Jesus called Levi to abandon everything. And in his particular case, Christ meant it literally not just spiritually, but to leave everything he was doing, his very life as he had lived it, and follow him everywhere he went throughout his travels. You travel everywhere with me, Levi, and don't leave me for the next three years. What Christ demanded of Levi, on a deeper level, he demands of all of his disciples. 
of anyone who professes to be a Christian. Christ demands of that person repentance in light of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has come. Do you want to participate in the life and the joy and the salvation, the forgiveness, the triumph of the kingdom of God? Then repent of your sins, leave all your sins behind, and enter this kingdom by faith in me, he says. Abandon everything that has a claim on you and surrender your life to my claims on you and follow my summons. Or to use the words in his later parable, when you find that one pearl that is more valuable than anything else you possess. Sell everything else you have just to possess that one precious pearl. And when you do, when you leave all to follow me, says Jesus, I will impose upon you a special task, a special destiny, a special promise. I will give you a unique responsibility, a task, a special assignment of spending the rest of your life glorifying me, honoring me, telling other people about me, doing my bidding, serving me, worshiping me. And I will give you a special destiny. Everything God is and everything God has will be yours. You will be heirs of God, heirs with Christ. Life, death, heaven, future, all things belong to you as you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. I'll also give you a special promise. I promise I will do for you what you can't do for yourself. I promise I will save you. I will never let you go. I promise that nothing will separate you from my love, and I promise that I will give you all the help you need in my spirit to do everything I command you to do. So when the Lord Jesus Christ tells Levi, follow me, and When Levi leaves everything and follows him, he is simply doing what every person has ever done that has become a real Christian. And then when he received is what every Christian receives. Or to put it just as clearly and simple as I know how, that command to follow Jesus is a command for complete self-surrender to the will of Jesus. Now what do we have to do to be saved? Well, if you listen to most churches around the country today that calls themselves Bible-believing evangelicals, they sincerely, and I believe with every good intention, will give you the wrong answers. And I'm not even talking, beloved, about the liberal churches. They've already sold out to the world and Satan. I'm talking about the evangelical fundamental churches. Some of them out there this very day will ask, Do you want to be saved? All right, simply ask Jesus into your heart. There are others who will say, if you want to become a Christian, make a decision right now to follow Jesus. Well, beloved, I don't know about you, but I know of some people who have decided to follow Jesus on many occasions, and they are still not following Jesus. There will be other churches that will say, if you want to be a Christian, come forward and pray the sinner's prayer. They will give one wrong answer after another, and unsuspecting people are going to accept their wrong answers, and they will think they are saved and not be saved at all. What is it that is truly required of a person to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? And remember, only disciples of Christ will be saved. To be a disciple of Christ is to be like Levi. 
to completely surrender yourself, your will, to the will of Jesus. To be drawn to Him, surely. To believe that He is everything He claims to be, yes. To receive Him and rest upon Him alone for salvation. But involved in that is resting upon Christ alone for salvation and inseparable from that is the complete surrender of ourselves to the will of Jesus. It is a surrender of my will to Jesus' will. And this is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church of San Jose. As we conclude our time today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know the program encourages you as you take the time to join us as we study God's Word together. We'd love to hear from you. It means a great deal to us. It always does. 408-866-5607 is our phone number. Again, 408-866-5607. If you wish to visit us online, you'll be able to gather more information about us, who we are, what we believe, and where we meet. It's all found at reformedheritage.org. That's reformedheritage.org. You can also drop us an email there as well. We even have past messages available online that you can tap into freely at your convenience. Again, reformedheritage.org or call 408-866-5607. Now, normally, we would invite you to join us for worship, but because of the shelter-in-place orders, we are suspending our in-person worship services here at Abounding Grace and Reformed Heritage Church of San Jose. If you'd like to know more, again, call us at 408-866-5607 or visit our website, reformedheritage.org. And then we also invite you to write to us. If that is something you don't mind doing, picking up a pen and paper, we'd love to hear from you. You can write Abounding Grace, PMB 402, 1484 Pollard Road, and that's here in Los Gatos. The zip code is 95032. Thank you for spending time with us today. We look forward to hearing from you and looking forward to spending time with you in God's Word again here soon on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. 